Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, 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 bonjour. (laughs) I'm so grateful, as always, for the opportunity to connect and for A Course in Miracles. Just so, so grateful. So, yes, my name is Jennifer Hadley and I love A Course in Miracles. Let's begin with a prayer. (laughs) before I just keep going on and on. So I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful and thankful to consciously attune to the Christ within. So grateful and thankful that we are connecting via the one life, the one power, the one presence that we are. So grateful to allow ourselves to truly recognize the pure peace of God, the fullness of God's infinite love is awake and alive within us. We are grateful and we are thankful to allow the perfect peace of God to shine in our heart and in our mind now and forever. We are sharing the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mm. Our topic today is letting go of limits. So one thing I've come to know is that spirit is unlimited, unprecedented. Ego is always limited. And something I realized a long time ago when I was a teenager, that people will stand in line Ego-identified people will stand in line in order to put limits on other people. I mean, it's just such a popular thing. And people put limits on themselves, and it's crushing, and it's completely unnecessary. But it is the way of the ego. And in fact, in Chapter 30, Section 8, which is entitled Changeless Reality, Uh, What Jesus says here, this is paragraph 3, so chapter 30, section 8, paragraph 3. He says, you have established limits. What you ask is given you, but not of God who knows no limits. You have limited yourself. So, We've established limits because we're ego-identified. Now, the very essence of the ego thought system is lack. And lack seems like an extreme limit. Why is the ego thought system foundationally based in lack? Because it's about separation from source. This isn't hard to understand. It makes perfect sense. So we come to believe in lack, in limitation. And therein lies our pain and suffering. We feel separate from source. 
we are aware that we're living in lack. And when we have a strong belief in lack, we're going to see it everywhere. I know that was something for me that was such a focus of my consciousness for so long. I just saw lack everywhere, lack of love, lack of patience, lack of kindness, lack of prosperity, lack of fun, lack of joy, lack of happiness, on and on and on. So much lack. And I didn't understand that I was doing it to myself and that I didn't have to do it to myself. Now, in chapter 15, section 9, which is entitled The Holy Instant and the Attraction of God, it starts off with, As the ego would limit your perception of your brothers to the body, so would the Holy Spirit release your vision and let you see the great rays shining from them so unlimited that they reach to God. It is this shift to vision that is accomplished in the holy instant. Yet, it is needful for you to learn just what this shift entails, so you will become willing to make it permanent. Given this willingness, it will not leave you, for it is permanent. So, The vision of God is permanent. It's our natural state. It's our very beingness. And our willingness is all that's needed for us to permanently return to seeing with God's infinite vision. Once you've accepted it as the only perception you want, it is translated into knowledge by the part of God that plays in the atonement, for it is the only step in it God understands. Therefore, in this, there will be no delay when you are ready for it. So how do we make ourselves ready? We believe we're worthy, so we have to give up the concept of unworthiness. How could part of God be unworthy for being part of God? That's an illusion, And that illusion can only exist in the mind that is identified with the ego. Once you've accepted it as the only perception you want, it is translated into knowledge by the part of God himself plays, the part that God himself plays in the atonement. For it is the only step in it God understands. Therefore, In this, there will be no delay when you are ready for it. God is ready now, but you are not. Part of what blocks our vision is our judgments, our complaints, our criticisms, our false beliefs. It goes on, paragraph two here. Our task is but to continue as fast as possible the necessary process of looking straight at all the interference and seeing it exactly as it is. So the interference in our mind that causes the loss, the seeming loss of vision. It's temporary. It's just part of the illusion. For it is impossible to recognize as wholly without gratification what you think 
you want. The body is the symbol of the ego, and the ego is the symbol of the separation. And both are nothing more than attempts to limit communication and thereby to make it impossible. So when we identify with the body, we are limiting our ability to communicate, to to really hear that still, small voice, because we don't feel connected and part of God when we're identified with the body. So we can identify with spirit or we can identify with the body. So if you see yourself trying to improve the body, make the body better, that's going to get in your way because then the body's become a false idol. Now, I know this is tricky. That's one of the reasons why I'm really, 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 really loving doing this Change Your Mind About Your Body program. And I'm so appreciative of all the people that are saying how helpful it is to them. And by the way, you can still join us. We're not even halfway through yet. We've got months to go and you'd get all the recordings that you've missed so far. And uh, we just did a class with Alan Cohen and oh, so good. Love, love me some Alan Cohen. Yes, I do. Uh, so when we're thinking that we need to improve the body, this is where we can get into trouble. And it's, it feels difficult to understand at times. So I'll speak for myself and Am I trying to improve the body? I'm trying to take good care of it. I am interested in taking good care of it. So I do that through diet, through exercise, through getting plenty of sleep and how I hold the body in my mind. Am I criticizing it? Am I complaining about it? Am I attacking it? Uh, Am I thinking kindly of it? Am I thinking well of it? Am I giving it in an environment where it can flourish? So, yes, taking good care of the body is important to me, and uh, having a healthy body is important to me. I'm no longer deluded into thinking that if I have six-pack abs that that would somehow make me happy. Or if I could get into much smaller clothes, that that would make me happy. I know that things like that are not going to make me happy. And that pursuing that kind of thing is not a good idea for me. Also, with every passing day, I'm more aware, change my mind, not my body. When I change my mind, everything in the world of form has to change. I may sound like a broken record on that, but it's a fact, and it's helpful to appreciate it. So going back here to the holy instant and the attraction of God. The body is the symbol of the ego, as the ego is the symbol of separation. And both are nothing more than attempts to limit communication and thereby make 
communication impossible. For communication must be unlimited in order to have meaning, and deprived of meaning, it will not satisfy you completely. Yet, it remains the only means by which you can establish real relationships, which have no limits, having been established by God. So how do we establish real relationships through communication? What is the body for? It is a communication device. It's one of the teachings of A Course in Miracles. All right, here we are. Paragraph three. In the holy instant where the great rays replace the body in awareness, the recognition of relationships without limits is given you. But in order to see this, it is necessary to give up every use the ego has for the body and to accept that the fact that the ego has no purpose you would share with it. For the ego would limit everyone to a body for its own purposes, and while you think it has a purpose, you will choose to utilize the means by which the ego tries to turn its purpose into accomplishment. This will never be accomplished. Yet, you have surely recognized that the ego whose goals are altogether unattainable, will strive for them with all its might and will do so with the strength that you have given it. So think of one of the things the Course says, seek without finding, right? That's the thing about the ego. It's it's seeking without finding. It's the ultimate fool's errand, the ego thought system. Goals are altogether unattainable. Here's a quote for you about the ego and goals and the body. Whenever you attempt to reach a goal in which the body's betterment is cast as major beneficiary, you try to bring about your death. That's chapter 29, section 7. Paragraph 4. Whenever you attempt to reach a goal in which the body's betterment is cast as major beneficiary, you try to bring about your own death. Now think about it. Think about any time in your life when you try to make the body better. And I think the word better is important there. Because it's not about healing the body, making the body better. So I think of things like um, breast implants or Botox or these kinds of things that would make the the body better. Trying to get that six-pack of abs or whatever it is that people feel is more beautiful. When that kind of thing is going on, you try to bring about your death. And I was listening to something recently where something that's happening in 
society is young women are getting discouraged. Some young women are getting discouraged because they see their mothers obsessed with anti-aging. And they see that life has this sad trajectory if you are you're young and then you spend the rest of your life trying not to age that aging is somehow bad or wrong or not good and it just made so much sense to me it just feels futile and if you're a young woman who has an, uh, a mother who's obsessed with anti-aging, I could see how this would be discouraging. You don't want that for your future, if that's what your future looks like. It doesn't look like a happy future. It looks sad. It looks sad because you'd like more for your mother than that. And I'll just throw in on the topic of aging. The older I get, the better I feel. Simply because I'm letting go of the attachments, the cravings, the aversions, the addictive compulsive tendencies that made me so unhappy. So aging, I'm, I'm happy to be experiencing the growth and yes I see more wrinkles and those kinds of things and does it bother me sometimes a little bit yep I'll admit that and I'm happy to trade that for the happiness if if having some wrinkles uh comes with having greater happiness and peace I I don't I don't mind at all Let's go on to paragraph four here. It is impossible to divide your strengths between heaven and hell, God and the ego, and release your power to creation, which is the only purpose for which it was given you. Love would always give increase. Love would always give increase. Love is what God is. God will always give increase. Limits are demanded by the ego and represent its demands to make little and ineffectual. Limit your sight of a brother to his body, which you will do as long as you would not release him from it, and you have denied his gift to you. So if we limit our vision of our brothers and sisters to their body, if we think of them as limited beings, then we are not going to be able to receive the gift that they have to give us. So every person on this planet has a gift to give to every other person on this planet, to give to all, to have, give all to all, right? So we're interested in giving all to all. And all has a gift to give us. And if we see our brothers and sisters as limited and lacking, the gift that they have to give us will not be received. 
So it goes on, his body cannot give it and seek it not through yours, yet your minds are already continuous and their union need only be accepted and the loneliness in heaven is gone. So accepting that our minds are joined. To me, this is one of the most important things for us to realize because one of the the great sadnesses in life that people have, and they don't even realize that they're doing it to themselves, but one of the great sadnesses is that they're looking at the people they love the most with thoughts of lack and limitation and projecting that onto them And then they're interpreting everything that they see in their loved ones through that lens of lack and limitation. And that pains them. That that makes them feel like they are suffering. Now, I've worked with so many people over the years. And one of my favorite things to do is to help people who are... um, really bothered by how they see their children, how they see their parents, how they see their spouse, how they see their siblings, all the people that are closest to them. When they can change from seeing all this lack and limitation that they're projecting onto the person, they can change their mind about their loved ones, then their loved ones are free to live in a different way. And I've seen it over and over again that their loved ones have extraordinary healing and transformation because someone is willing to change their mind about them. And then what happens is that the person who does change their mind about them that experience of realizing, oh, I was projecting all this onto them. So, of course, they had to show up that way. That's how I saw them. That's how they showed up in my experience of them. The, it, it can be, for some people, it's very difficult to change their minds about their loved ones because they're so caught up in their projection projecting their worry, their fear, their doubt, their anger, their resentment, their guilt, their shame, their blame, all of that onto their loved ones. And so it can be such a rigorous process for someone to change their mind about their loved one. However, when they do that, their whole life is changed. And then they can see that this person showing up in their life this way was in many ways the perfect gift for them to compel them to stop being lazy in the mind and believing in lack and limitation and to open to the unprecedented, unlimited power of love within their life. And then their whole life changes, not just that one relationship or that one person in their life. I've seen it so many times. It's one of my favorite things. It's such a liberation and it's very demanding curriculum. 
And we all have it in some way, shape, or form. And really moving out of complaining and taking responsibility for what we see and for the feelings that we have, that is the key. And that is rigorous for most of us. It's very, very rigorous. Sometimes we do have instantaneous healings. So for me, it was rigorous for years. And then I had amazing miraculous, instantaneous healing. The holy instant was given to me. So, or I chose it. I I was willing to have it. I chose it. So this is the work that we can do together. Oh, and uh, I'm coming to a break here. So I'm just going to share with you that uh, two of my programs in the fall, Stop Playing Small Online Retreat, talking about lack and limitation, stop playing small. Uh, It's not about playing big or like, you know, going for some fancy career or something like that. It's really about letting go of the limited thoughts and beliefs. That's happening in September. And finding freedom from fear, my spiritual boot camp is happening in October. Right now, Through July, they're on a super early bird special, and I'm inviting you to jump and take a look at this. If you've ever thought about taking Stop Playing Small or Finding Freedom, take a look at jenniferhadley.com, and you will see the super early bird special. Again, it's just through the month of July. Uh, But we do have a package if you sign up for both. So I encourage you to look at that as well. These are transformational programs for doing just exactly this work that I'm talking about here. Changing our mind about our loved ones and ourselves and experiencing God's perfect vision. Oh my gosh, what a game changer it is. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) All right, so we're talking about moving out of that limited thinking, thinking about limits imposing limits on ourselves and others. So one of the things I would invite you to do, which I I do and have done for some time, is to become more cognizant, more aware of when I'm in limited thinking. And uh, I've probably talked about this a couple of times because it's such a good example of it. And it pops into my mind right now. Uh, some years ago, many years ago, when my mom was still alive, we the whole family was going to do a whale watch in Bar Harbor. We have a house on an island off the coast of Maine, not too far from where Bar Harbor is. And so we, um, every year, every couple of years, we go on a whale watch and... Uh, It's crowded in Bar Harbor at the end of August when we go. And so on this day, we had two car loads for the whole family. And 
they have a small parking lot there at the Whale Watch, relatively small, and there's parking on the street, but it's crowded. And so as we were coming towards the parking lot, going into the parking lot, it looked as though the parking lot was full. And my mother said, we'll never find a parking spot. And I said, sure we will. We only need one. I'm sure there will be, or we only need two. I'm sure there will be parking for us. And she said, you're probably right. You usually are, which to me was remarkable that she would say that. But just the difference, you know, that's that thought of coming into a place where it looks like, uh uh-oh, there's a limited quantity. There's not enough. We think that we have the thought there's not enough. It's limited because of what we see in the world. But it doesn't work that way. We have the idea of limitation. We project it onto the world. That's I am responsible for what I see. And I choose the feelings I would have about what I see because I am the chooser of what I see. I'm looking through a lens of limitation. So in our Course in Miracles training, we are training ourselves to remember that we are unlimited, unprecedented. That's our nature. So let's choose heaven today and every day. Limits are demanded by the ego and represent its demands to make little and ineffectual. So let's not do that. Holy Spirit, help me see what's real here. Holy Spirit, help me see what's true here and give up projecting limitation onto everything. I... I have found so many ways where I have projected limitation and lack onto the world. And it is so much better to live without that. And there are still places in my life where I can see lack and limitation uh, playing out. And I'm eliminating those. I'm letting that go by giving it to the Holy Spirit to do the healing, to do the transformation. Paragraph 5 here, again, we're chapter 15, section 9, about the holy instant and God's beautiful, powerful attraction. The holy instant and the attraction of God. So we're in paragraph 5. If you would but let the Holy Spirit tell you of the love of God for you and the need your creations have to be with you forever, you would experience the attraction of the eternal. So what I hear in this is all we have to do is let the Holy Spirit tell us God loves us fully and completely as we are. And we don't even know what we really are. We have no idea because we're so mired in our perceptions and projections. So 
the willingness to give up the projections and the perceptions, give it up to the Holy Spirit, to let the Holy Spirit remove them permanently from our awareness. This is the healing opportunity that presents itself to us in each and every moment. And then we can really begin to experience and to feel and to know the love of God. It's always pulling us, this divine vision of our beingness, of God itself, of the sonship, of the holiness, of the real world. It's always pulling us. It's always there. And if our attention is on cataloging all the lack and limitation, all the things that we don't like, all the criticisms and complaints, we can't see the opportunity to experience heaven that's right here, right now. Of course, we did find parking that day. There was room in the lot for us. Maybe there was just enough room. I don't remember. It might have been that there were just two parking spaces available. That's all we needed. I remember, too, when I was living in Maine, I I had been living in New York. I went and lived in Maine in my parents' what was then their second home. And uh, it was a great time for me of really going deep into my own thoughts and to, there was a lot of healing that happened at the level of the mind during that time. I was not in these ego pursuits. I was very introspective and, um, I ultimately came to, I had written a play with my brother, co-authored a play with my brother, and I was really interested in continuing that writing, and I got the idea that I would like to go to film school and become a screenwriter. So I applied to USC and um, UCLA, their graduate screenwriting programs. I had an undergraduate degree in theater And after I applied, people in the know said they accept so few people into their graduate screenwriting programs, you're probably not going to get in. Hardly anybody gets in. Such a small percentage of people. So have an alternate plan. And uh, my mother asked me, what will you do if you don't get into film school? I said, I'm going to go to Unity Village and become a minister. Well, I I didn't do that because I did get in. And uh, and that's how I got introduced to Agape was because I moved to L.A. And then after film school, I became a prayer practitioner, a spiritual practitioner at Agape and then a minister from the Ernest Holmes Institute for a few years and then transferred to the Agape Ministerial School when they started that. And... Even though people told me, you're not going to get in. Almost nobody gets in. It's such a small number of people. I knew I would get in. I really did. I knew I would get in. And if I didn't get in, I had this alternative of becoming a minister. And I was interested in that. So I, I, I knew either way, all was well. So 
there's an example of where all the belief and limitation that other people had just it didn't apply to me. And that's really how I felt. It doesn't apply to me. That's not true for me. I don't need to think about that or entertain that. I had already learned not to prepare for results I didn't want, not to prepare for a life I didn't want, not to prepare for an outcome I didn't want. So... But then there are other times in my life when I've been so believing in limitation. I mean, I for so many years, I really, really believed that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't lovable, uh, something was wrong with me. Very, very limiting beliefs. So we can have limiting beliefs in one area and really expansive beliefs in another. What I'm interested in now is simply knowing the truth, living the truth, living without beliefs. If you would but let the Holy Spirit tell you of the love of God for you and the need your creations have to be with you forever, you would experience the attraction of the eternal. No one can hear God speak of this and long remain willing to linger here. For it is your will to be in heaven, where you are complete and quiet and in such sure and loving relationships that any limit is impossible. Would you not exchange your little relationships for this? For the body is little and limited, and only those whom you would see without the limits the ego would impose on them, can offer you the gift of freedom. So this last line in paragraph 5 is so valuable. The body is little and limited. And only, I'm going to just change the wording here a little bit, only the people whom you would see without the ego limits... can offer you the gift of freedom. When you are willing to look at your fellow human beings without limits, then you can receive from them the gift of freedom. So it is our willingness to liberate our brothers and sisters from the limits our ego-identified mind imposes upon them our willingness to liberate them from that that gives us our own liberation. Paragraph 6. You have no conception of the limits you've placed on your perception and no idea of all the loveliness that you could see. But this you must remember. The attraction of guilt opposes the attraction of God. God's attraction for you remains unlimited. But because your power, being God's, is as great as God's, you can turn away from love. What you invest in guilt, you withdraw from God. 
and your sight grows weak and dim and limited. For you have attempted to separate the Father from the Son and limit their communication. So when we invest in guilt and blame and shame in all of that, we are limiting the communication between ourselves and the unlimited power and presence of love. So it is our interest in seeing limitation that brings the limiting experiences and thoughts into our awareness, into our experience. What we are interested in for our liberation is the clear communication with our Creator and with the one mind of the the Sonship, the Creator, the Christ. In that communication with that higher Holy Spirit self, the field of love, the infinite, unlimited field of love, in that communication, that's the inspiration, that's the intuition. And letting go of the blocks to love in my awareness has opened up my intuition so tremendously it improves every minute of every day of my life. It truly does. Because I waste so much less time. I don't experience a huge amount of frustrations and delays and all other kinds of things that used to bother me so much because my intuition is saying to me, making it clear, go here now, don't go there now. Do this now, don't do this later. Do this later, don't do this now. All I get those those clear communications all the time. It's not a voice. I don't even, sometimes I can think of it as a feeling or I conceive of it as a feeling, but it's just the unlimited mind of God communicating with itself. We're, we have this opening awareness that brings so much benefit. What you invest in guilt, you withdraw from God, and your sight grows weak and dim and limited. For you have attempted to separate the Father from the Son and limit their communication. Seek not atonement in further separation. So atonement is the the joining, the full acceptance of the oneness. You can't find atonement in further separation. And limit not your vision of God's Son to what interferes with His release and what the Holy Spirit must undo to set Him free. For His belief, the, your brothers and sisters, for their belief in limits has imprisoned Him. His belief in limits has imprisoned Him. When we see someone who seems trapped in their experiences by their limited beliefs, don't agree to them. And also don't get into an argument 
about about things. I learned to say a long time ago when people would be you know spouting their their limited beliefs about things. Like people would say, I remember there was a time when I would hear women saying there aren't any good men anymore or something like that. And I just I would just I wouldn't argue with them. I would say, "Oh, Hmm, that's not my experience. You know, people would say, all men are this or that, and I just say, oh, wow, that, that is so not my experience, not my experience at all. So when people make those negative generalizations, I don't say nothing, but I also don't want to argue with them because if I say, oh, that's not my experience, interesting, uh, I'm not arguing with them. I'm simply stating a fact that I'm having a different experience. They're saying their experience is this, and they're ex- stating their experience as though it's true for everyone, but I'm not arguing with them. I'm just saying I'm having a different experience. And a lot of it can be in the attitude. So I've learned to be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm I'm having a different experience. So I'm not like, well, I'm having a totally different experience than you. So your experience must be messed up. Something's wrong with you. That's why you're having that experience. I'm not coming at them with that kind of attitude because I'm interested in helping them to see, oh, Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just my view. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just my view. When the body ceases to attract you, and when you place no value on it as a means of getting anything, then there will be no interference in communication and your thoughts will be as free as God's. Wow. When the body ceases to attract you, and when you place no value on it as a means of getting anything, then there will be no interference in communication, and your thoughts will be as free as God's. So, let's contemplate this for a moment. When you place no value on the body as a means of getting anything, like getting attention, getting approval, getting recognition, because of how cute you look. It could also be how ugly you look, how unattractive you are, getting attention. When the body ceases to attract you and you place no value on it, as a means of getting anything, then there will be no interference in communication, communication with God, communication with the Sonship, communication with the Christ, communication with the all in all. Your thoughts will be as free as God's. As you let the Holy Spirit teach you how to use the body only for the purposes of communication and renounce its use for separation and attack, which the ego sees in it, you will learn 
You have no need of a body at all. In the holy instant, there are no bodies, and you experience only the attraction of God. Accepting it as undivided, you join God wholly in an instant, for you would place no limits on your union with God. The reality of this relationship becomes the only truth that you could ever want. All truth is here. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. In the holy instant, there are no bodies, and you experience only the attraction of God. That sounds pretty good, (laughs) doesn't it? What's a good way to practice no limits? Just notice, do you limit your love for other people? Do you withhold love for other people when you're annoyed or bothered by them? It's a good place to look at where you're believing in limits and enjoying limits. Enjoying is probably not the right word, but projecting limits. Let's live in the unlimited, unprecedented spiritual nature of our beingness forever. <laughs> Okie dokie. I just like to say the early birds are about to expire for Stop Playing Small Retreat in September, Finding Freedom from Fear in October. And you can still join Change Your Mind About Your Body. That program is still available. And uh, I'm looking at doing more programs for professionals. We've been doing uh, things to support people who would like to put on workshops and teach forgiveness. We've got the free forgiveness workshops that we're doing twice a month this year. You can go to jenniferhadley.com in the events page and sign up for that. Send your friends there twice a month doing the free forgiveness workshops. People are really appreciating that. So many more good things to come. And thank you for writing great reviews for this podcast. Thank you for your love and appreciation. And I am so grateful to be able to share. I have a deeper appreciation for A Course in Miracles every single day. Oh my gosh, so grateful. Let's place our hand on our heart and be grateful and thankful for the love of God that we already are. We are consciously extending the unlimited, unprecedented love to everyone, everywhere. We are grateful. We are grateful. In gratitude, we let this healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Mwah.